And now for a look at all things sports with two average sportsmen themselves. It's the Sporting Hacks with Hilly and Jules. Oh, welcome to week two or episode two of the Sporting Hacks of season number two with Hilly and Jules. Great to have your company once again. Hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode with Dane Pinot and looking forward to another big episode this week. Better introduce the uh, the other main man of the show, Julian Claridge. Jules, great to have your company, mate. And um, geez, we're well and thick in the action of uh, all things sports at the moment. Fantastic. Thanks, Hilly. Good to be here again. Plenty of sport happening at the moment, um, just before footy season comes. And we mentioned last week at the end of the episode today, well, tonight, we're, uh, we're going to do our Ashes 11. So not, not who we think the selectors will pick, but our Ashes 11. And I posed a question on Twitter. I got a little bit of feedback. So thanks for those that gave us some feedback. But that should be interesting. Yeah, looking forward to seeing where your 11 lies and uh, where my 11 lies. I sort of, I tell you what, I was toing and throwing when I was doing it, whether to throw in two spinners or what to do, but um, we'll talk more about it a little bit later in the program. But as you said, a big week. We've got a big week of sport coming up. We've got Super Bowl coming up next Monday, which will be fantastic. We'll speak more about that very soon. Big Bash final is on uh, Sunday already. We've got the Sydney Sixers qualified. That's going to be um, hopefully a great finale to the Big Bash competition. The Australian Open's kicking off uh, next week, I think it is too. And I'll tell you what, um, that's going to be an interesting period over the next few days obviously with the COVID uh, little outbreak from Melbourne with masks back into uh, to Vogue what's that mean for the tennis I think they're all back to sort of quarantine to a certain degree all the players and officials um, so we'll talk a bit about the Australian Open and so forth coming up as well and we've got a very special guest we've got a youngster an up-and-coming cricketer which we'll, uh, we'll introduce more as the uh, the program gets on and we'll have our usual Spots, the clangor and highlight of the week, our choke of the week and moral of the weekend. So another big program to get through. Plenty to discuss this week, Hilly. I'm looking forward to it. And we'll start with a bit of tennis. I know we were talking off air, mate. And you're not really over it this, this time of the year. I think a lot of people are in the same boat, to be honest. Uh, it's a bit strange starting on the 8th of Feb. Uh, a bit different. But I think it's hopefully we get a, a proper and full tournament. I'm sure we will. And we're going to go through our tips a bit later on. But ha- have you been watching anything, Hilly? Oh, I've been watching bits and pieces. And you're right, that Feb 8th start is unusual. But also, too, like I'm usually used to the, uh, you know, obviously previously the Hotman Cup. And then you'd have Sydney International, Brisbane International. You'd have Kuyong. Um, I think there was a female tournament usually in Tasmania. Um, in Hobart, the Hobart International, all your lead-up tournaments. And it gave you a really good guide um, of sort of who's hitting the ball well and who's looking promising for the Australian Open. But realistically, we haven't seen much tennis over the last couple of months. So to, you know, guess or, you know, sort of surmise who we think is going to go well, it's, it's pretty tough, I reckon, because there's just no form line to draw on. Yeah, and I think this year there's going to be a lot of upsets, to be honest. I think... Uh, the winner could possibly come from out of the top five. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting. You know, maybe some of the, the big guns get done in week one with the limited preparation they've had. They've only had probably just a week. 
But as you said, those tournaments haven't really run. I, I don't mind the ATP Cup at the moment. Uh, it's sort of a bit of a Hopman Cup 5, a bit of Davis Cup 5, so that's been pretty good to watch. Um, but just quickly, I'll talk about my tips um, in a moment, but if you, who do you sort of like or have you got a, and maybe a Ruffy for us? Yeah, well, Ruffy, I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm probably going to stick with the seeded players. I still think, you know, like, come to the Grand Slams, your seeded players are the ones that are always hard to beat. Your top, top echelon of uh, tennis players. And I, when you said Smokey, I just, I don't know who to go to for a Smokey. I just think it's going to come from a seeded player. So, to me, that's probably not a smoky, but I'll throw a few names out there. Obviously, you've got your usual suspects, Rafa and, and Novak, that are always going to be hard to beat. Just, just pure talented players. Personally, I hope they don't, neither of them win it. I'm, not, I'm sort of over Rafa and I'm over Novak to a degree. I like the new generation that's coming through. Um, I don't mind Medvedev. I think uh, he's certainly capable of, of doing some great things. But the two I would like to sort of maybe push forward, and they've really come on the last you know, 12 months, two years, uh, is Dominic Team. I really like the way he goes about his tennis. Just very honest, plays a, plays a really hard game and he's pretty grounded you know, both up in the net and both in the backcourt. And also I like uh, Alexander Zerev, uh, another player who can certainly bash down that big serve. He's got a nice volley game, strong on the, uh, the baseline, both forehand and backhand. So... Without having a roughie, my two that I like that are probably not your Raffers and your Novaks would be Team and uh, Zverev. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um, Zverev has can go off the boil at times, especially with his serve, but he's definitely he's definitely going to be up there. Um, you know, obviously no Roger this year, which is, which is a shame. We all love Roger, uh, but I think. Over the last 10 or so years, there's only been a couple that have won a Grand Slam outside of the top three or four. So, as you said, it is hard to win. It's hard to go past Novak. But as you said, I don't mind Medvedev. I think he made the final last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so, I like him. I've got one at about $67 in Berrettini from Italy. He's in the top 10. I think he made the semis last year. Um, he's very, very solid. And I think also another roughie, it might be the championship for the big servers. As I said, with that limited preparation, if, if people can serve well, it might be hard to return. So I've always had a soft spot for Milos Raonic. Yeah. So he's a bit of um, my dark horse as well. I'd love to see Nick Kyrgios win and we might discuss him a little bit later. But I just don't think... I can't see him mentally being in a tournament for two weeks. I just can't see it happening. Yeah. I'll tell you one, and you're right about the big service too, Jules, because the whisper was... or Not so much a whisper, but the talk was that they think the, the courts are going to be a little bit more speedy this year. So that maybe there might be a bit more pace in the court. So for those big hitters, especially off the baseline and your big servers, maybe it's going to suit one of those types of players if the court... Um, if they are speaking, that they have sort of sped up in pace that might suit them. Um, it's, that's going to be really interesting, especially in the first first few days to sort of get a bit of a gauge if that's the case. Yeah, as I said, with limited preparation, um, you know, the players' return of serve might be a bit off. So, you know, your Raonic's, your Kevin Anderson's, 
Um, even Kyrgios has got a big serve, but um, just something to watch over the first week or so. You're right. And let's go to Kyrgios. I'm a fan. I really am a fan. I love his tennis. We know he's, uh, he's a bit all over the shop with the, the mental side of things and, uh, you know, he can say some things and that carry on, which, you know, it's not a great look, especially, you know, we, he's probably one of being one of our best players we've had for some time. Um, and, you know, we all want him to do well, but I guess just his attitude on the court can certainly turn people off. But I like him. I think he's got the capabilities of, you know, going, doing great things, but it's just making sure he's in that zone where he's blocking out all the crap and he's not getting caught up in all the rubbish that he, that he usually does. Um, I'd love to see him win it. I'd love to see him progress far, but you know, you spot on what you said. Kenny, Kenny lasted two weeks in that, you know, in that zone where he's blocking out everything else. Yeah, he's a he's a love him or hate him type person. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't fully love him, but I, I do like him. He's entertaining. Um, you know, you sort of don't want to leave your seat when you're watching him because something's going to happen. He's he's obviously taken after John McEnroe, so. Um, yeah, as I said, I just can't seem he's going to have a meltdown at some stage. So as soon as something little goes wrong, he just goes off the boil. And in a big tournament like that, where it takes two weeks, you've got to win seven games, I just can't see him doing it. Uh, I agree. Uh, what about the females, mate? I know that um, you're probably a bit more over the, the, the male um, side of the draw, but can Vardy be our first Australian for, in a long time to, to go deep? Yeah, she's an interesting one. She's sort of one that plays better away from home. Um, mm. Her Australian Open record isn't fantastic. Uh, hard court probably isn't her go-to surface. She's better on clay and grass, but she's definitely up there. Naomi Osaka, um, she's a gun on hard court, so she'll yeah. be hard to beat. But I did find another one uh, at, at some odds as well, who used to be number one, and she may have won an Australian Open before, is... Angelique Kerber at about $34. Yep. Um, she might be a sneaky, and you've still got Serena Williams at yep. 39 years of age. You've got, uh, as a ranker, these sort of types are still floating around. I think it's a yeah. lot wider in the women's draw than what it is in the men's, personally. Yeah, always wider in the women's. Uh, there's always a lot of upsets, and I spoke about it at the start, but uh, tough to pick the women's, but there are a few that, that I didn't mind. Yeah, I reckon the winner will be amongst one of those. I reckon you're spot on. But looking forward to the tennis, it's um, it's a great part of... It's always a great year to start, you know, the sporting calendar, I guess, with the Australian Open. And despite it sort of being three weeks, four weeks later than usual, um, and no Federer and no Andy Murray, I still think, hopefully, you know, and all COVID, hopefully, that it goes through smoothly and we see some cracking tennis because there's nothing better on a nice night to be, uh, you know, cracking open your... Quiet one and uh, or a couple of quiet ones and, and watching a really good game of tennis. Five sets goes deep and the quality's good. Yeah, and again, I said it about Kyrgios, but it's the same. You either love tennis or you hate it, I think. It's one of those sports. So I know me and you love it um, and hopefully a few of the listeners there too. Um, and just gamble responsibly. I probably shouldn't be mentioning odds too much, but uh, <laughs> we'll get on to the Super Bowl, mate. And you're probably more across this than I am. So give us a bit of a preview. Yeah, I guess. Well, Kansas City's going to go in favourite, aren't they? Um, yeah, defending champions. Can they go back to back? Is going to be the question. Tampa Bay, first Super Bowl, first, I guess, bit of major success for God knows how long, a long, long time. They've brought over Brady. They've brought over Gron- 
Kowski, the big Gronk. So, you know, they've probably built that side around them to a degree. And, you know, they've been, I guess, the, the orchestrators with a lot of other great young players that have got to Tampa Bay. So I think it's a great story. Um, and I think it's a great story for, for Kansas City because you've got, if you looked at statistics and how many uh, passing yards that the, um, the, quarter, the best quarterbacks have had this year, Mahomes is ranked second, Brady's ranked third. So it's, you know, the, the, the greatest of all time against potentially one of the, the great quarterbacks of all time if Mahomes keeps on going the way he is. So um, for me, and I, I haven't watched a lot of uh, Tampa Bay, so I don't know a great deal about him. I've watched a little bit of Kansas City, but for mine, when I look at the sides, Tampa Bay have got a great attacking lineup and their defence is okay. But if I compare them to Kansas City, I think Kansas City is probably the most rounded team in the NFL where you've got some great attackers. You know, you've got, obviously, uh, Mahomes as your quarterback. Travis Kelsey, who's you know probably the best tight end of the competition, who's been really damaging. Um, Tariki Hill, who's had a super year. So they've got some great attackers, but the defence is just as good as anyone's as well. And um, you know, they've got a lot of players that just uh, are miserly defenders. They make their uh, the opposition work extremely hard to uh, to try and score. And, you know, I look at you know, some of the names that uh, the Chiefs have got in that lineup. Um, you know, some really uh, miserly players that are, uh, have stopped some great, um, you know, some great teams. You know, Tyran Mathieu, he's had a really good year. Uh, who else is there? Frank Clark, Chris Jones. They've had really good years as well. Um, so, in a nutshell, I think Kansas City will get the job done. I just think both defensively and offensively, they're a bit stronger than Tampa Bay, whereas Tampa Bay's strength is obviously their offense, led by uh, the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. But I don't know whether their defense is strong enough to uh, to restrict a really powerful running team that uh, you know can expose you pretty easily in Kansas City. Oh, what a great preview, Hilly. Well done. And done a bit of research. I, uh, <laughs> I, um, if the listeners listened last week, I sort of morreled Kansas City. And purely for the fact, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but Tom Brady just needs to be Tom Brady. And I'm sure he will be. But if he's just a fraction off, you know, there's just, I think the Chiefs are going to be far too good. But if Brady being Brady, who knows? Um, I just hope it's a cracking game. Um, unfortunately, we're at work, Hilly, but I'm sure we'll be checking the scores secretly. Um, and as we said, as we said last week, we've got a mate that's Tampa Bay, so good luck to him. Well, I'm on the bus going to school camp over to uh, the Mornington Peninsula, so hopefully I can get some sort of connection uh, on the phone whilst I'm on the bus trip and get to watch a little bit. And hopefully, uh, the school kids are all uh, well behaved and reading their books while I watch a bit of the Super Bowl. But more than unlikely, but it should be a cracking game um, and really, really looking forward to it. So, yeah, it's been a good year of the NFL. I really enjoyed the NFL. I think, um, you know, as I said, the Buccaneers have been a great story. It was great to see the Bills, you know, get deep into, um, deep in the finals, you know, conference championship finals. The Packers have had a super year. Cleveland probably surprised a lot. LA Rams were super. Um, and, you know, Baltimore had a great year as well, along with New Orleans. So, Terrific NFL series, and um, yeah, hopefully we get to see a really cracking Super Bowl, in which has been a pretty tough year, I guess, for um, franchises and supporters because they haven't had the crowds there as well. Yeah, absolutely, big fella. 
Um, we'll leave it there. We'll probably talk more about the Super Bowl next week um, or the week after um, because I know you're having a bit of, we're having a bit of a break next week because you're on camp. But we'll quickly talk about the Big Bash before we introduce our special guest because, as I said at the top, here's a young cricketer who is in one of the squads in the Big Bash. I know we, we've spoken about it a bit last week. It's been a bit hard to get into. Um, yeah, we were talking off air, Hilly, like we weren't even sure who was playing tonight, <laughs> who's still in the finals. So probably not great from us. No, interest levels are pretty low. And it was funny, following, uh, you know, we did have a few listeners last week because I had a number of conversations with some listeners just about, you know, our thoughts with the Big Bash and, um, you know, future direction on where it should go and so forth. And, you know, the, a lot of the points that we brought up, they we sort of thought, you know, were pretty valid. So, um, obviously, no, we know the Sydney Sixers are in the final. They're going to be either taking on Perth or Brisbane. Um, if I had a preference, maybe Brisbane. You know, um, I don't mind, you know, Chris Lynn um, and a few of these guys that sort of run around with the Brisbane Heat. As I said, I sort of probably haven't followed as much as what I have previously just due to saturation. I don't think the games have been as good to watch. Umpiring's been pretty ordinary. But if I had to choose, you know, who I'd prefer to see in the final, hopefully the Brisbane Heat up against the Sydney Sixers. I'm not a very um, keen supporter of any New South Wales side of any description. So I just hope whoever gets in there, whether it's Perth or Brisbane, knock over the New South Welsh side of uh, the Sydney Sixers. But um, I just hope for pure cricket fans, it's a good finale. I just hope it's a good finale to the best game of the season. It's not um, one that, uh, you know, is low scoring or, um, you know, there's any controversies that come from it. I just hope it's a great finale to finish off the big bash uh, for 2021. Yeah. And we're actually recording this on a Thursday night and currently the, the game's going on and, and scorches are none for 70 off seven already. So that, that's a, that's a pretty good start. Um, but you're right on what you said earlier, mate. I think 95% of the people want the scheduling change, probably less games. I don't know if you... I know you're a primary school teacher. What Do you talk to the kids? You know, because it's probably more for the younger kids. Yeah. What do they sort of have to say? Do they like the, the more games or would they like it reduced? No, nah, funnily enough, I've sort of said to a few of the kids just to start the term, um, you know, they've been watching the Big Bash and a couple of who were just cricket tragic said, no, I haven't watched it as much this year. Um, just because, I guess, scheduling, because some have been really early in the day, so that's probably not a time where they'd be watching TV. Others have been on it a little bit later at night if there's been a double header and so forth. So probably in comparison to previous years where uh, the kids that I have taught it, they're just cricket nuffies. Um, this year, they probably haven't spoken about it as much either. So I think that's a bit of an indication just from you know the, the kids that I engage with. Yeah, well, as you said, hopefully the final's a good game and uh, they can change the scheduling next week because it's, it's actually good being good to watch Marnus Labashain play for the Heat and he's actually taken a lot of wickets as well as runs. So let's get our best cricketers in the 2020 in the Big Bash and it'll be a lot better sceptical. Absolutely, mate. No, couldn't agree more and that's what I want to see. I want to see Australia's best playing in Australia's, you know, BBL competition, I think that'll certainly improve and increase the uh, the following of the competition, not only next year, but years to come. Oh, Jules, you've been working feverishly to get uh, a guest for our program this week, and you've done extremely well, mate. I'm looking forward to listening to this 
young man um, from a cricketing background. He's a rookie cricketer with the Victorian cricket team and also spent a fair bit of a chunk of the time with the Melbourne Renegades. So I might get you to introduce our special guest for episode number two. Yeah, thanks, Hilly. It's great to have this young fella on and we like getting our locals and doesn't get more local than this bloke. And I'll, I'll embarrass him a little bit. I have taught this bloke before. Embarrassingly, I've taught him at Cricket Academy, but he's clearly a lot better than I am. So uh, welcome, Brody Couch. How are you, big fella? Good, thanks. Thanks, Jules. Thanks, Hilly. Thanks for having me. Yeah, going well. No worries at all. So first of all, mate, just tell us about your cricketing journey. How did you sort of get to where you are now? You know, you're representing, um, or you got a contract for Cricket Victoria and the Renegades. Yep. How did sort of that come about? Um, well, I probably I sort of stemmed from the Waves, so Western Waves, which is regional cricket. And then I got into the, the pathway stuff with Cricket Victoria, so the underage carnivals and stuff like that. Um, just from, yeah, junior cricket and then, yeah, played a couple of years in Premier Cricket for Geelong. Um, made my way into the first and then sort of went all right for the last couple of years, probably built up a bit of consistency and, yeah, I was lucky enough to get a rookie contract um, with Victoria and then I got in uh, with Melbourne Renegades as a replacement player. Just, I wasn't expecting to play or anything like that, but, um, yeah, it's just pretty exciting. And you were just saying off air, Couchy, that with the Melbourne Renegades, you've been away for some time. Even though you didn't get, um, you know, any games, I know you're an X-Factor player there on a couple of occasions, but obviously didn't get a chance to hit the pitch. But the experience in itself would have been unbelievable. Just, you know, rubbing shoulders with the likes of uh, Sean Marsh and Finch and these top-line cricketers that, you know, we've become accustomed to over the last couple of years, um, especially in the Big Bash. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even even training with like Finchie and a couple of the Victorian boys, and then even then going to into the BBL hub with them, it sort of took a little while to sink in. Um, so yeah, it was really good, uh, just sort of gelling off them and watching how they go about it. And it was my first sort of extended tour away in cricket, um, away from home. So it was that was a bit of an experience in itself. But yeah, it was really good learning off off those blokes and the coaching staff as well. And sort of just give us an insight on what you sort of have learnt, Couchy, over the last couple of months. Because it is, it is a big step up, I would imagine. Um, and you've got some, as Hilly was saying, you've got some senior players around you. Uh, and you've got Klinger there as well, coaching the Renegades. So what are some things you've taken away from the experience? Um, I've, I've probably developed a couple of different variations in my bowling, first and foremost. Um, I've worked a lot on my new ball bowling because I tend to bowl more at the death in the, in the shorter format. So probably trying to develop my new ball game. Um, so I worked on that with Mick Lewis a lot, um, changing my seam, uh, my wrist position and my seam position as well. Um, and there, I, 2020 cricket and the big bash is a bit different just to the comp in Premier cricket because every game's mm-hmm. just about at night as well. So there's sort of, few factors there that I probably wasn't wasn't used to um you know the the outfield gets a bit dewy and stuff later on at night so if we bowl if you bowl second there's uh different sort of scenarios that you have to weigh up there um but more than anything was just sort of watching every game really closely paying attention looking at you know coaches and 
and the players and seeing how they went about it. Because it's yeah, it's a, it was a massive step up compared to what I'm used to. So uh, yeah, it was just just really good to even just to be there, like um, learn about the grounds as well. Like we're playing on the best grounds around the country, sort of, and and each wicket's a little bit different. So just sort of things like that, just um, picking up um, little bits and pieces here and there, and trying to add add a few things to my game. This is a really silly question, or it might not be a silly question, Brody. But when you're bowling in the nets to, you know, Finchie and Marsh and these blokes in readiness for a 2020 game, are yeah. you bowling in a 2020 style? So they expect, you know, what you, what's coming out of your arm has to be sort of what you would bowl in 2020, rather than what you'd be bowling in a, you know, 50 over game or a, or a two day two day game. Yeah, but yeah. All the coaches are really big on trainers, like the way you play. So. A lot of the time I, in the nets, I would, I would bowl in a couple of blocks. So I would warm up with an old ball, say six to 12 balls, and then I'd get a new ball out and work on that to probably the batters that face a new ball. So that's your, your Marsh, Finch and Harper most of the time. And then towards the back end of my, my sort of session, I'd probably bowl three or four overs of death bowling and try, really try and nail my York. Because I know uh, Finchy, most trainings he... He said you've got to bowl six Yorkers in a row before you, you finish up. Um, yeah, so sort of just breaking down the session a little bit like that and, and chunking it out rather than like looking at it as a whole. Right, okay, Archie. No time for modesty here. So who did you get out from the Renegades and who couldn't you get out? Did you did you clean bowl Finchie? Did you sneak <laughs> off Marshy? Just who'd you get out? Uh, interesting because for the first half of the tournament we a lot of the bowlers bowled to the batters, but for the second half, we actually did a lot of target bowling. But I bowled a little bit to Sauce, so that's, yeah, Sean Marsh. Couldn't get him out. He's probably nearly the best batter I bowled to, I reckon. Um, didn't bowl to Finchie that much. I probably bowled to, Har- I bowled to Harps a lot, so, yeah, I would have got him out a couple of times. Probably <laughs> out more than anyone else, I reckon. But he's, yeah, he's a really good batter as well. I think we come up against him this weekend. So we play Melbourne this weekend at, at, Al, at the Albert ground. So it would be a good, good challenge as well. Wasn't the best year for the Renegades. And both Jules and I are Renegades fans. So we're pretty pumped uh, to have yeah. you on, mate, because we both follow the Renegades. We were there for that grand final win, which is a memorable moment. Yeah, that was, the boys <laughs> still talk about that. <laughs> oh, great, great day. They thought they had it to the stars, but we stuck it right up and it was fantastic. But what I want to ask you is, this year was a really different side in the fact that, um, you know, we lost a bit of experience with Christian and so forth. But there's a couple of really good young ones that come through. And one that stands out was your leggy, um, Peter. I don't know whether I'll get this right, but Haskellu. He was, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was sensational. And when you look at it, he got a lot of quality batsmen out with, uh, oh, yeah. with his bowling. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, this year, I think, we, yeah, we blooded a lot of, a lot of younger players and that will be better off for the experience. And, and a lot of those young players ended up going really well. And, yeah, Peter, he, he sort of came – he didn't come from nowhere, but, like, he wasn't he, – he didn't play any representative cricket for, like, junior cricket for any pathway or anything like that. He sort of just worked his way through Premier Cricket um, just from club cricket. And, yeah, he got, got exposed to Big Bash this year and did really well. I think he's a bit of a different sort of bowler. He bowls – quite fast I think yeah most balls are up over 100 kilometers an hour so a lot of the batters got stuck playing on the front foot 
um, when your best option is probably just go straight back and, and play him off the back foot. So, yeah, he was a bit of a surprise packet and he was really consistent, actually. He took wickets in nearly every game and, yeah, he had a really good, a really good tournament. Oh, amazing and thing, Jules, I've seen about Hatskaloo, and I was reading about him the other day, is he's still like the treasurer of his local cricket club in um, wherever it is in, in Melbourne. Yeah. Like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. He's got a cult following. Yeah, yeah he's, he's only 22, so, yeah, it's pretty, pretty funny. <laughs> They're talking IPL and everything about him, so look out. Yeah, yeah, big future. He, he's done really well, so he's set himself up. Back on to you, Broads. How does this year for cricket... Look, for you, um, tell us about your, your Cricket Victoria contract. And, and you said you're a replacement player for the Renegades. Yep. That's obviously a chance next year again, depending on performance. Yeah. Yeah, so with my rookie contract, it's, yeah, for two years. So I've still got next year as well. But basically, um, yeah, I'm in Melbourne three or four days a week. Um, yeah, train up there and then still do club training at Geelong. Um, and, yeah, look, I haven't played – I've only played three games for the year. Like, I played two games at the start and then had a couple of months off and I just played on the weekend. So, probably the main goal is just trying to play some consistent cricket, I guess, and trying to get on the park more than anything else. Um, yeah. Yeah, the replacement, replacement gig sort of – it sort of popped up really quick. It was a week before the tournament started and that's just, just for that season. So, hopefully – if I can go uh, fairly well for the back end of this year and for the start of next season, I can hopefully, um, yeah, get to that stage as well again. With your, uh, your Victoria contract, and you were talking about Mick Lewis, who's a great Victorian bowler. I used to love Mick Lewis. Yeah. Just a really yeah. hard you know, bowler that just would, would bowl a heap of overs and just uh, you know, had that real bit of longevity about his, uh, his bowling. But yeah. Is there anyone else that's been like a really, you know, big influence on you at Victoria or Cricket Victoria who's, you know, worked with you closely to ensure that, you know, you're, you're doing all the right things both on and off the field? Yeah, I've got a really good relationship with Andre Borovic. Um, I, when I first got to Geelong, he was there for my first year. So, yeah, he was really good. He sort of um, guided my way through my first year in Premier Cricket and then he's, yeah, with Cricket Victoria now. So I'd say... Yeah, I probably have a really good relationship with him, and yeah, I can sort of lean on him for some advice, and um, yeah, any time. Fantastic, mate! And um, as I said at the start of the interview, you obviously went to school at Emmanuel College, and um, I'm actually teaching your sister at the moment, which we were talking about off air. But I suppose you're um, you're a young fella. Have you got some advice for kids that maybe you know, 15, 16 at the moment? who are playing cricket, um, about taking that next step or what they can do uh, to help get there? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I, I miss junior cricket a lot. I, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe... I think you just got to enjoy the game first and foremost. But I think definitely these days, um, I think you hear it a lot, but... Uh, Cricketers have got to be three-dimensional, so especially in the sh short format. So I think, like, if you focus only on one area, it probably limits yourself a little bit. So I'd probably say to a young kid, even if you you think you might only be decent at batting or whatever, I'd, I'd just say keep having a crack and 
and make sure you can develop another area of your game. I think, especially in 2020 cricket, I think a lot of players around the world actually get picked for their fielding. So I'd say probably one of the things I wish I did more was my fielding when I was in juniors. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that um, cricketers, young cricketers should focus on as well. I'll tell you what, you had a bullet arm, Brody. I remember you playing against you when you were a young one, a young fella in the threes when you were playing to Randa. And, geez, I used to hate running on your arm. It was pretty strong, mate. So, <laughs> no. you're all right. But it's funny, it's funny you say that, though, Catchy, because I reckon, you know, you go to cricket training and obviously everyone's to bat and bowl, but fielding's probably the thing that gets forgotten a little bit. You know, even in senior cricket training, you know, you go out for a yeah. catch or a bit of a slips catch or whatever it may be, but yeah, um, it's a crucial part of the game. Yeah, very. like... I think even from this year, like a Maka Harvey, he can save you 20 runs in the field. Like it's very crucial. Like it, it can seriously win your games. It's pretty important. And you might have touched on this before, Brody. Um, you were talking about uh, Lewis before, but has Maxi Klinger, what's he sort of giving you some advice on the Renegades? Is it more around that fielding or has he sort of spoken to you more about your bowling? Uh, more about my bowling. I've only, yeah. I had a, 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 good, a good chat to him and, um, yeah, this just being away was more of an opportunity just to watch and learn more than anything else and, and sort of just develop my own skills in the nets. Um, nothing in particular, but, um, yeah, nothing really in particular, just, just to watch and learn and, um, and yeah, watch, watch players like Cambridge and go about it and, um, yeah, try and pick up a few things. Nothing nothing too particular for my own game, really. Because as a replacement player, I probably wasn't, you know, sort of like next in line. I was a little bit back in the pecking order anyway, so I wasn't expecting to play. So he just said, like, as long as, long as I can stay on, he, he's happy to have me on. So, yeah, I was lucky enough to get to stay, to stay on for the whole time. And, yeah, it was a really good experience. I must admit, I, I had a bit of a buzz every time I saw the Renegades list and I saw, you know, B Couch in the 17, I'm thinking, sure, they'll get the, the young fella a go in the last game when finals are out of yeah. the question and stuff. I thought you were a sniff for the last game and I was hoping. But I want to ask yeah. you, Couchy, I want to ask you just about the rest of the season and so forth. Like, obviously, you know, goal setting is such a big thing in sport these days and, you know, you're in a time where, you know, you've got, a lot of good cricket ahead of you. You've got a, another year of your contract that um, for Cricket Victoria. What's what's your goal for the rest of the year? And then obviously, what's that? What are you going to try and lead into for next season? Um, I think there's yeah, there's a lot of cricket coming up, and hopefully a lot of opportunities, especially um, in the state cricket. There's yeah, a lot of Sheffield Shield coming up, and there's also a one day comp as well. So my main goal would be to try and get potentially into the one-day squad uh, just as like a a long sort of term goal. But um, short term, I think just because I haven't played many games this year, it's probably a bit different to other years. I really just want to be consistent and probably develop um, my skills with the new ball a bit more. I just, yeah, I'm not quite where where I'd like to be with the new ball yet. Um, And that's probably... That's probably the main thing. And then just, yeah, trying to stay consistent and, and take a few wickets for the Cats and hopefully take sort of our um, tournament deep and um, hopefully win a couple of finals. Well, we hope you get there, big fella, because it'd be great to watch you in the Victorian colours or the Renegades colours or whoever in the future. And 
thanks for coming on. We, we just like to finish with a little segment uh, that we do with everyone we interview. And we'll give you, a, we'll throw a few names at you. Yeah. And we just want you to, um, it could be a word, it could be a sentence. Just explain these people. I know you probably haven't dealt a lot with them, you know, a couple of months, but just give us your, just a quick rapid fire thoughts. And we'll start with the bloke who's out of form in Aaron Finch. Um, he's a good bloke, hot tempered. Uh, <laughs> that's about it. He won't listen, so you'll be right. <laughs> Jules has shot him off last week, so I reckon he's no chance to be a guest on this program ever now, Finchy. <laughs> hey, Koji, I want to go with Sammy Harper. Uh, really nice guy. Uh, um, Loves getting outdoor, outdoors. <laughs> yeah, good. And you spoke about this fella before, um, Kane Richardson. Uh, pretty laid back, loves his music. Always has, always has his AirPods in. <laughs> I want to go one of the international players for the Renegades, the president, Mohamed Nabi. Uh, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't talk to him too much. <laughs> Didn't talk to him too much at all. But when he was on, he was up and about. <laughs> Didn't talk to him too much. I didn't quite understand his language. <laughs> <laughs> and and you you mentioned him. You mentioned Sauce before being one of the best batters. But what's he like as a bloke? Yeah, great bloke. Very good bloke. Yep. Uh, yeah, very very easy to talk to. That's for sure. One question I hadn't asked you, Couchy, but how many clicks you bowl on these days? What what sort of uh, kilometres you bowl on these days? Back when I was playing against you as a young 15 or 16-year-old, you are bowling pretty quick, mate, off uh, you know, a reasonable long up. What are you, run up? What are you sort of throwing down these days? Uh, consistently high 130s, but I'd like to take it a little bit higher. Be, be low 140s, hopefully. That'd be the What's goal. What's the quickest? Uh, 140 I've hit. Good yep. stuff. Oh, thanks, Couchy. We really appreciate you giving up your time as a young 22-year-old, uh, I believe. And 21, sorry. I, I won't take that year <laughs> off you. Um, <laughs> and we, wish you all, we, we wish you all the best for the future and thanks for joining the Sporting Hacks. No worries. Thanks for having me. this time of the program because we get to look at the clangor of the week, the choke of the week and the moral of the weekend. And it's a chance where we get to say a big thank you to our all important sponsors, Matt McCart, Aerobic Performance Coaching and PLI Financial Services. So a big thanks to Matt McMillan, Matt Billington and Sean Delaney. And we must mention too, if you love your podcasts and you love your MBA, our friend at uh, PLI Financial Services, Shawnee Delaney, does do the underdrafted pod. And 
him and DJ love talking all things NBA. Very, very um, specific with the topics and uh, they have a great couple of segments as well. And they always give us a little bit of a boost on uh, social media. So we better give the boys a mention. If you're looking for that NBA fix from a, a really um, you know, supporter point of view, jump on the underdrafted pod. Uh, and that's on all the other uh, platforms to uh, download as well. But big fella, Matt McCart is our sponsor of the Clanger of the Week. And I know you've uh, been hanging on to this one. You reckon you've got a bit of a corker for us? Yeah, and just before I get to that, Hilly, stick around, listeners, because we've got our Ashes 11 coming up uh, in a little bit, so that should be interesting. But, yeah, my clang of the week, Hilly, and you would have watched this one, um, and a lot of basketball fans would have seen this one, but my clang of the week goes to Jesse Wagstaff. <laughs> now, yes. very, very, very quick story. Basically, they're a point down, six seconds to go, maybe five seconds, I can't quite remember. The ball's been passed to him from the side, uh, from the baseline. No one near him, and he has missed an open layup, and they have lost the game. So Jesse, I think you're captain, by the way. I don't know how you miss a, an open layup when you're an elite player. You are my clanger of the week. Love it, mate. I tell you what, I was on the edge of my seat watching that game. I started up late on last Friday night. I'm thinking, uh, geez, all we need to do is just restrict their passes. Don't get in the hands of Bryce Cotton. And unfortunately, they were able to get a clear passage wag staff. And the geez, I reckon you and I would hit that layup nearly 10 times out of 10. No pressure and yeah, missed it. So the Phoenix got their first win ever against the Perth Wildcats. So, no, I love it, mate. That's a cracker. And it was a great win too because they come back a fair way, I believe. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a good win. Um, certainly take it. We'd have liked the win on the Sunday as well. But uh, that didn't occur against your Melbourne United. But... That's a we'll get to that in a minute. For another time. <laughs> Righto, mate. Give us your choke of the week, sponsored by Matty Billington and Aerobic Performance Coaching. Oh, it's a, I guess it's a bit of a choke of the week, maybe, or a bit of a brain fade of the week. You may call that too. And I didn't mind this fellow on the tennis court, but he's really, he's just rubbing me up the wrong way at the moment. I'm sort of not disliking him. And it's Tennis Sandgren, the American player. Um, yeah. You know, warm-up game, he was playing against uh, an Australian player. I think it was John Patrick Smith he was playing. And he was in a comfortable position. You know, he was up, uh, I think he might have been up 5-4 and going okay and was never looking like he was going to lose. And all of a sudden, just hit a ball wide and absolutely cracked the sads, smacking the racket and then dropping this quote, I hate this stupid sport. Mate, if you hate this stupid sport, piss off. Because <laughs> all you've done is whinged and whinged and whinged since you've come to Australia. You've sucked about the quarantine rules that we've had. Look at Australia's, the way they've operated with COVID. I think we've done a pretty bloody good job. You earn that much money, it's not funny. Suck it up, princess, if you're in a bit of uh, quarantine for a couple of weeks. And then... To see this um, performance on the court where he's dropping, I hate this stupid sport. And, you know, like, I don't really like the brain fades on the tennis court. I think, you know, you can crack the sads, but when it comes to smacking the, the rackets, the absolute oomph degree, and then you're dropping stupid quotes like that, tennis Sandgren, I hope you get knocked out round one and you get sent back on the plane and shoot off to other, the next tournament. So 
That's my choke, brain fade, idiot of the week, I guess you can call it. Yeah, I like it, Hilly. And it's pretty surprising because he's actually done really well at the Australian Open the last few years. Yeah. But he's, he's no chance now. He's just going to have another brain fade and he'll be gone, as you said. Really uh, I, just, I, just, and I didn't mind him. I thought, uh, you know, he's got a bit of pizzazz. He's got a bit of charisma. But just his attitude when he's been in Australia. And I think he may actually had a COVID uh, when he came over. Correct me if I'm wrong. He might have been one of the players that uh, they thought they might have COVID. Or he might have had COVID and he had to quarantine and stuff. And just the sooking and then just the rubbish behaviour on the court. Um, yeah, shoot off. Move on, son. Yeah. Spot on, mate. All right, we'll move on. And just before we get to our moral, now... You morrowed your team against my team <laughs> and you've got your pants pulled down. So pretty bad stuff by you. But give us – try and redeem yourself. Give us a moral of the week. <laughs> uh, we didn't get our pants pulled down. You guys are a pretty good side and I think uh, had our chances. But, yeah, Melbourne United very strong. Instead of being a moral, I think it was just – I was looking for something a little bit outside the <laughs> box and – um, a little bit of a roughie, but yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't to be. Uh, moral of the weekend, I'm going to go Big Bash. And I'm going to go whoever plays in the final against Sydney is going to win. Ooh. Whoever plays in the Sydney, against Sydney is going to win. Hedal I think Scorchers. that's more hope yep. because I do have a dislike for New South Wales sports teams. But um, <laughs> I don't think they're invincible, the Sydney Sixers. So... I'm going to stick with that. So either the Heat or the Scorchers will get the job done in the Big Bash final. What about you, mate? Yeah, don't mind it. Mine's a little bit different. We've had a few different morals uh, in season one. Um, it's a tennis theme, but it's not someone to win or lose or whatever. But, and we've spoken about him a bit earlier, my moral of the week, or I suppose two weeks you could say, is Nick Kyrgios is going to have a meltdown at some stage. He'll abuse the umpire, he'll crack the shits, he'll do something. So that is an absolute, absolute moral to take that to the bank. Nick Kyrgios to have a meltdown. What were your thoughts on the, uh, the meltdown he had the other night with the serving violation? I thought he was hard done by just quietly because he's actually, I don't know whether you saw it, but he got a time violation for his serve. And he was actually, with about two seconds to go, he was in the motion and then the umpire's called... Um, you know the the violation. I thought if he, I thought if you start your service action before the time finishes, even it's like you know goal kicking in the AFL. If you've got your action in motion before the time comes up, you're not breaking. You're not breaking the rules, and yeah. there's no need to get no. a violation. I thought he was hard done by. Yeah, it was ridiculous, and I was talking about this on Twitter. Um, He's actually the quickest player between points on tour. Like, he serves, and then five seconds later, he serves again. Mm. And you're right. He had about two, maybe one second to go. And I believe the ruling is, so if you're bouncing the ball, that's not classed as your motion. But as soon as you sort of stop bouncing, that's your motion. And he was definitely in his motion. So he had every right to probably not carry on the way he did. But definitely the umpire got that one wrong, I thought. Yeah, yeah. All right, mate, to finish off the program, we've sort of talked about the Ashes and what our teams would look like when we play against the, uh, the enemy, I guess you call the, uh, the Pommies. I'm going to get you to start. What does your Ashes 11 look like? Well, how about we break this down? Why don't we go top order, middle order, and 
bowlers uh, yep. because I think we might have a few of the same. Yep. And just before just before we start, Hilly, um, obviously the South African tour has been cancelled, which is an ideal preparation for the Aussies, and it might cost them a spot in the World uh, World Championship Test match, which which also sucks. Looks looking like New Zealand and India. Yeah, well, had they won the series against India, they might have been okay, the Aussies, but... Yeah, well, that's true. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but, yeah, the South Africa tour cancellation's not ideal, but I guess I do support, you know, the theory behind it because, uh, yeah, you just this COVID, it's... uh, (laughs) You just don't know what's going to do, and, um, yeah, probably, you know, health-wise, it's a smart move, but I guess for us cricket fans and sport fans, we would have loved to have seen it. Uh, go ahead because we want to see the Australians in fine form, especially, uh, you know, we would have loved to see them in the World World Test Cricket Championship match, but also too, just loading up to the Ashes as well. So, all right, let's go top order, mate. What are you thinking? All right, let's go top four. So yep. you just let me know if you've sort of got any, any different to mine. But I've, yep. I've got Warner, Pekoski, Labashane and Smith. Now, my, I, I am a bit worried about Warner because yep. of Stuart Broad. But it's his last chance, I think. Uh, we don't really have another opener at the moment. I know Harris has made some runs, but, yeah, I think Warner's going to start anyway. I'm going to give him another chance. Labashane could be an opener, and the reason I say that if things don't work out is because the Indian test, he come in, what, within four or five, six <laughs> overs, nearly in every test. So there's nearly an opener. So, you know... Looking left field, could Labashane be that, that person? I like him at three personally, but you know, could be could he be that next opener potentially with just what we've seen in previous? But I agree, Warner, last chance for mine, but your top four, I, I I've got down exactly. All right, well let's let's skip the middle order because I think that's probably the most contentious, and let's let's go to your bowlers. You tell me your bottom four. And I'll, we'll see how we go here. All right. Uh, so I'm not going to go in Like, this is not batting order or anything, but I think your spinner's got to be Nathan Lyon. Um, probably hasn't had the year or the last two years as he would have liked, but I just think, uh, you know, could be a really important player uh, against England. Uh, Pat Cummings, shoe in for uh, selection for mine. Hazelwood, you know, he's just that, up and down bowler who can really just tie up an end and doesn't really leak many runs and can certainly have those days where he troubles a batsman and gets a few wickets. And I've admitted Stark, I've I've lost a bit of interest in Stark and I think just because I just feel he just he's got the capabilities of being a real Mitchell Johnson terrier in their grill, give him a bit of chin music, but just doesn't do it. Just doesn't have that conviction in his bowling. And we know how serious the series is against the Pommies. We know how much we love them. If this fellow's in full fitness, I reckon he's the chin music man. He can bowl a bit of swing and really thrum around. I'll put James Pattinson in there as my uh, as my Ooh. selection for that bowler. Yeah, so we've got three of the same. And I've also omitted Stark. But I've gone for a younger fella um, instead of Stark. And this fella does swing the ball, you know. Cummins and Hazelwood, yeah, little bits, but they're more off the scene. We don't have a genuine swinger. 
swing bowler, I don't think. Um, this bloke's quick. Uh, he can bowl short, as you said, like Pattinson. Um, and again, if he's fully, um, I've gone with Jai Richardson. Yeah, and I think too, you know, he was one of the, he was probably it was either between Pattinson and and Richardson for mine. I probably went with Pattinson just because of experience, and he's a he's a bull when he's fully fit and there's no injuries. But on the flip side, I'm not how old Richardson. Um, oh, mid to late early mid twenties. Yeah. He's not that old yeah. anyway, and I think we've got to start looking at the future as well and blooding some of these these young ones. And Richardson was probably going to be my side had I chosen him for that very reason. I know he's a quality bowler, but it's just that youth and promoting a bit of youth, and you know he could potentially be a, a you know a starting cricketer for Australia for the next ten years. But just I know how much the series means to the Aussies. Pattinson's been there before, and he can be just. Be a really raging bull, fully fit, and just do a lot with the ball. Um, so that's why I selected him. But you know, I wouldn't be um, upset if Richardson got you know, in that 11 either. Well, as we said um, previously about scheduling, hopefully there's some Sheffield Shield games prior to the Ashes so that we can actually pick our best bowler, you know, between maybe a Richardson and Pattinson, who's actually bowling the best. So, righto, mate, give us your, your middle order, five, six, and seven. This was tough. This was very tough. And admittedly, I did look at a bit of the South African tour lineup as well because I think, you know, looking at the the lineup for the Ashes, I think it's going to come from the majority of those players. Um, I've given Travis Head another run. I've given Head another run for a left hander. Okay, we've got Warner as a left hander, but I I do like a a couple of left handers in the side just to mix it up a little bit. His test average isn't all that bad. I actually don't think he was playing all that bad when he got dropped, but it was just they had to make a couple of scapegoats and he was one of them. Um, And I like the fact that he can actually bowl as well. Not that you would bowl all that much, but he's just got that in the background if, you know, um, you know, plan A, plan B, C, D and E go down to the, just don't work. You can tuck him and play it, bowl on a few off spinners. But um, I like Travis Head at five. I think uh, I'd love to give him another chance. And if, Again, if it's like Warren, it doesn't work out. We need to start looking elsewhere. Plus, he has leadership. Uh, I've gone Cam Green at six. Just persevere with the boy. Batting looks strong. Um, and, you know, hopefully they'll give a bit more of a chance for the ball. And I'm giving Payne another go. Again, last chance. And if the job doesn't get done against the, uh, the English, uh, we need a bit of a revamp. Look at who's going to be the next captain. But Payne could be a bit of an X factor too. We know we can bat. As long as his keeping's up to uh, standard, he's in his side. So they're my uh, middle order. Yours? It's annoying when we agree here. We've got nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I totally agree with Travis Head. He averages over 40 in Test cricket. He average, I think he averages 60-odd this year at Sheffield Shield, although that hasn't been that many games. So he hasn't done a heat wrong. He played some silly shots, but so is most of them. Um, yeah, Green, he'll play the next 10 or so years. And I'm the same as you. I'm giving Payne, probably, it's probably going to be his last series. However, I've got a couple of butts in there. Yep. So I would love Alex Carey to maybe get a go at some stage. Whether that is for Payne or whether that's coming in at five or six for Head. Um, I spoke about it last week. He could be a sneaky for our next captain. It's a massive call. 
down the track for Australia? Yeah, every chance. Personally, I would like to see him, if he was to come in, he'd be our next keeper. That's what I'd like to see. And you just give, you just say, right, out, Payne, time's done, mate. That's it. So, yeah, he's the, he's the next one in line. There's no doubt about it. I want to throw this thought to you before we do sort of wrap up the show. Uh, Lavashane showed some great bowling in the big bash. I reckon looking at the lineup, you know, depending on who the bowl is, say we've got Cummings and Hazelwood, Lyon, say it's Pattinson or Richardson or whoever gets the job done, Green, there's your five. Just for, and I reckon over in England, and that, that extra bit of spin's always beneficial. You know, they've got some good spinners over there in recent years, and the pitches are, you know, can be good spinning pitches. Labashane would be one I'd be looking to bowl a few more overs out of two. 100%. I don't know why he doesn't bowl more often in test matches. That's the time where you bowl him. Like, um, he doesn't turn it massively, but the odd one turns um, and the old one skids on. So he lands him pretty well and totally agree. And you're right with Travis Head earlier too. He can bowl some left arm offies for a bit of variety. So I'm pretty comfortable with that team. We spoke about Warner sort of on his last legs and Payne and, and Stark. So um, I'll put it to the to the listeners and the I was going to say viewers, but I'll put it on Twitter and people can bag it so they can agree with us and, and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. No, good discussion, mate. I've enjoyed that. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting. We might do a few of those sides and over the coming coming weeks, look at maybe you know, the best 21 of, uh, you know, say the Tigers, you know, obviously looking to go another premiership or, you know, something along those lines. Um, yeah, I like it. So, yeah, yeah. good. Sounds good. And as I said before, you're away on camp next week, so we're having a little break. Um, Here's a little so we'll grief off the, uh, our friend at the underdraft at Pod Nadler. Potting me wherever they can, those blokes. So, um, yeah, week off next week. I just won't have the, uh, the chance to get to a computer and to record with you, mate. So we'll have a week off, but we'll uh, give us a chance to try and um, tee up a, a quality guest for the, uh, the week after. So we'll We'll look far and wide and get someone of uh, note, hopefully, to uh, come and join us and have a chat and share their story. Yeah, looking forward to two weeks' time and, and uh, for a, a big episode of, uh, what are we, number three of season two. Yeah. All right, mate, we better call it quits. Have a great weekend. You're on the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they'll get the job done as well. And uh, looking forward to the Australian Open starting next week. So have a great weekend, mate, and we'll, uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. You too, mate. All the best.